0: Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, September 5th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Thursday, it can mean only one thing, 24-7 sports. Director of Recruiting Steve Wolfong comes to us on a beautiful day. Steve, how goes it?
1: Good morning, Daniel. Going well. Sending this great weather here in the Indianapolis suburbs down I-70 to Columbus, stopping off in Dayton. Hope everyone's doing well. The NFL is here. College football's been here. A lot of nights consumed with watching football. These games could start earlier. Does the NFL game start tonight at 8? Wish it
0: started at 7. That's how I am. I like to get these games over with and get to bed. I covet the West Coast for one reason only, and that is because football and everything else starts three hours earlier. I would love to be able to wake up at 9 a.m. and watch the Buckeyes play. Not going to happen. I know I mention the weather here a lot. And people get annoyed by that. The weather in Ohio, at least in Dayton, today and last week a little bit, it's like Colorado weather, 75 and sunny and crisp. You know it won't last, but we will enjoy it. We will have great weather here this weekend for the Cincinnati Bearcats when they come calling. We will talk in detail about that matchup with Steve Wiltvong. First, Steve, as is work to be on the show now, given the state of the class of 2020 recruiting for the Buckeyes, running back is going to be the main topic until they get two guys in the fold, or at least one. We all know the Jalen Knighton, Bijan Robinson fiasco that went down. And now it seems like new names popping up routinely. Two new names are up that seem to have some traction. I'm going to lay them out for you, and then you can break it down for us however you see fit. Both are from Georgia. Jameer Gibbs from Dalton, 5'11", 194, three-star prospect, committed to Georgia Tech. Ebony Jackson from Marietta, six one two zero five, committed to Maryland. What do you know about these two running backs? What do you think of them? What are the chances they end up at Ohio State? The floor is yours.
1: Well, Jameer Gibbs is having as good a start to his senior year as anyone in the country committed to Georgia Tech, a guy that was coveted by several schools down there in SEC and ACC country, and running back's a position where there's so many good players at it that can be difference makers uh, in college, and Ohio State, Although they didn't land, some of the guys that they coveted early in the process can now turn on senior film and see who's having a great season, and, and Ohio State has the chops to come in and, and flip a guy late or, or come in on a young man later in the process but still present a, an opportunity that that they'd be very interested in. Uh, um, uh, so Gibbs is, is off to a, a tremendous start. Obviously, the young man committed to Maryland. It, uh, can really run. Uh, he can roll. Uh, Sub 11 guy in the 100 meter dash was committed to Tennessee once too. So anytime you flip once, you certainly can be considered a candidate to flip twice. So Ebony Jackson would uh, maybe be in that. Well, Maryland's got two good running backs committed Penny Boone from Detroit King as well. A young man that I personally have liked for a while is Ryan Williams from in State, who rushed for darn near 3,000 yards last year. Uh, and is committed to Iowa State right now. And not that one thing has to do with the other, but the Bears take the field tonight with a former Ohio running back who played at, uh, uh, Iowa State and David Montgomery, who was extremely physical, uh, and a very extremely, extremely physical runner. Uh, and I think that Mayan Williams, uh, has a bright future in Ames as well. Uh, I don't know who's going to go to Ohio State from any of the group that we talked about. I don't know. Uh, If there'll be more guys to emerge, I wouldn't be surprised. We know that Ohio State's scouting department is very thorough, and they're watching a lot of guys, and and, uh,
0: um, they're communicating with kids, I'm sure, that we're not even talking about right now. As I said the name, it kind of occurred to me. What is your vibe on Jalen Knighton at Florida State? Is there a word among the cognoscenti there? We have 24-7 sports. It's possibly on the hot seat already. And I only ask because I just follow running backs now who are committed to schools with coaches on the hot seat.
1: Yeah, and I don't know where that situation was left with Ohio State and Jalen Knight. I, I I think that it ended on on positive terms, as as positive as it could be with a young man that basically was in the boat for Ohio State and then flipped uh, late, later. Um, so, look, Florida State lost their opener to Boise State, and they're getting – piled on more so because they had a horrible first uh, first season under Willie Taggart Worse things can happen than losing to Boise State uh, who's got a shot to have a really special season uh, and and is typically one of the best group of 5 teams now you don't want to go making a habit of losing the group of 5s if you're a power 5 program like Florida State but I'm st- I'm not ready to it doesn't look good for Willie Taggart right now but I'm still taking a patient approach with this season and seeing how the Noles bounce back uh, uh, from losing a tough one to Boise State and, and see if they show some courage uh, moving forward or, or if if this is the beginning of the end, maybe. I don't know. We'll see.
0: My greater concern with Florida State would be the coaches claimed that hydration was an issue when your school is located in Tallahassee and the school you were playing against was located in Boise and the game was rescheduled and played earlier than usual, which likely was a big reason for the early lead Florida State well, jumped well, out to. But I digress.
1: There, there's no question that Boise State was in better physical condition than Florida State for that ball game. Uh, and then Florida State or, or Boise State, they were they missed opportunities in the first half to score and they didn't miss those opportunities in the second half. I mean, the better team won the game. It just took – I mean, Florida State hit some wild plays, and they got some athletes and, and did did some things in the first half. But Boise State's got a good coaching staff. They settled in, made some adjustments, ball control like crazy, wore Florida State down, and, and, and really just dismantled them in the second half, and the better team won. It, took them a while. it still took them a while to get the lead, though. I thought Florida, State played, Florida State's defense played extremely hard. They just, yeah, I mean, it just it didn't go their way. Uh, Boise State made more plays and, and was in better
0: position to win. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more from Steve Wilfong.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Okay, very interesting weekend ahead in the Big Ten. A lot of cross-conference matchups. I want to go through a few here and get your thoughts. Of course we'll finish up the show with a detailed look at Cincinnati and Ohio State. But first, Army at Michigan. This game has been close in the past. What's your vibe on the fighting khakis?
1: Well for Michigan I think it's going to be big plays and, and, and trying to make on offense and, and making plays behind the line of scrimmage on defense to get get Army and, and get them off script and Longer down and distances uh, that make them uncomfortable because if you play their game, uh, you get into a battle like Oklahoma did last year, where your offense isn't on the field very much, and they're sustaining your army sustaining drives and and eating up the time of possession, and and that's how they can stay stay in ball games like that. Uh, uh, Michigan should be able to beat them soundly, and, and so. Uh, but it's, it's all obviously typically easier said than done. And so uh, we'll see if Michigan can build on, uh, what they did last week. Uh, there, there were some stretches in their game where they were really moving the ball well and, and, um, showing that they, they can have some dynamic ability in their offense and, and even bring in a running threat like McCaffrey to change the pace, uh, at quarterback. Um, but, I like Michigan at home
0: uh, over Army and, and, and
1: should do it comfortably. I'm
0: going to give you a couple other matchups here, and you can kind of comment on which one you find the most interesting. Syracuse at Maryland is interesting to me partially because, like I said before we talked about this, Syracuse is considered by some to be the second-best team in the ACC to be a good win for Maryland. Vanderbilt at Purdue, an old Big 8 matchup, Nebraska at Colorado, Minnesota at Fresno State. Which kind of cross-conference matchup piques your interest there? I'll start with Purdue, uh,
1: who's coming off that heartbreaking loss in Nevada where two botched punts uh, saw Nevada turn those into scores, and, and then they ice the kicker from 56 yards out, even though Nevada doesn't have a timeout. And they're getting their field goal unit out there. Uh, and as Purdue calls timeout, of course, they get the practice try. He misses it poorly, drains the second one after 1.30 in the morning. Uh, at that point and I'm not making excuses Purdue should have won that game Um, but 1.30 in the morning is after 1.30 in the morning is when that game ended and these athletes aren't conditioned to be playing that late. There's NFL no game ends that late and and so uh, um, Minnesota's in a similar situation going out to Fresno State and playing a team that gave USC uh, a a battle uh, and, and they hung in there and showed a lot of grit and toughness uh, and, and, and Fresno State gave Mich- Minnesota a hell of a ball game last year, if I remember correctly. So um, those, those are two. It, it really is an interesting week uh, in the Big Ten. Maryland has a tremendous opportunity early in the Mike Loxley era to play against the Syracuse team that's ranked number 22, but Tommy DeVito is making a second career start for Syracuse. He was a four-star recruit. He uh, didn't exact, exactly light it up in week one. If, if Maryland wins this ball game, which they're going to have several top 247 prospects on campus in the 21 class, it's really a launching pad type game for Maryland and can really change the perception of, of, of Coach Loxley in the sense that he's had he hasn't had much success at all as a head coach. This would be by far his biggest win. Uh, and, and so uh, those, are, those are three games. And then, of course, the one in Columbus, Ohio State, Cincinnati. I'm incredibly intrigued. Uh, with, with the Bearcats. I think they're, they're well coached. I think their kids play extremely hard. I think they have some talent on both sides of the ball. They're coming in and playing a noon game, uh, against Ohio State. You know, we'll see if, if Cincinnati and some of their overlooked Ohio guys, uh, what kind of chip on their shoulder they have coming in and playing in a ball game like this against the national title contender in Ohio State
0: we're likely to see a heavy dosage of Michael Warren, that's for sure. Do you think Cincinnati really has the firepower to score enough points against Ohio State's defense?
1: Well, I think that if you're just looking at straight talent, no. Um, Ohio State is clearly the more talented football team uh, on paper. Uh, But but Cincinnati, they have – they they have some creative play callers. They have some guys that can run. They have Michael Warren, who has emerged as one of the better running backs in college football out of Toledo. Uh, they have an opportunistic defense that makes plays behind the line of scrimmage and will schematically be ready for Ohio State. So um, I, I, I'm interested in seeing if Ohio State can just in, in, impose their will uh, on a Cincinnati team that is, that is coming off 11 wins, but that Ohio State should still be
0: able to dictate the tone of the ballgame. It should be a lot of fun. I will be bringing my family to the game. Here are some narratives that I feel like people are looking at right now heading into the game. One, J.K. Dobbins. There seems to be a little negativity building on the site. It would be nice for him to have an explosive game. And, of course, the return of Luke Fickle will be certainly interesting. Marcus Freeman and the crew. This is Cincinnati Super Bowl. I imagine they spent at least a portion of every practice since the end of last season looking at the Buckeyes, and they will be throwing the kitchen sink at the new defensive staff. So definitely will be an interesting matchup. Again, great weather. We appreciate Steve stopping by. Have a good one, Nutters. Thanks, guys. See you on the front row.